Amen. Our sermon's going to be about a, book, a word in the Bible. Amen. In fact, it's a Hebrew word that comes into all kinds of languages. It's not translated, it's just amen. Technically, we call this transliteration. Uh, why do Christians say the word amen at the end of prayers, benedictions, some songs, sermons? Why do we say amen? Does it only mean the end? I was sort of noticing we went through the Apostles' Creed, which is a great creed, and at the end, there wasn't much enthusiasm, I noticed, when we said amen, the final word there. Uh, The goal of the sermon, hopefully matching the Bible, is to better understand amen and also see, not in every single case, but the vast majority of cases, there's enthusiasm. There's an oomph when you say amen. You're supposed to say it with some gusto. We're going to run around the Bible. We're going to start at Psalm 148. Well, we'll start a few before we get there, but we're going to start with the book of Psalms. Psalms, there's 150 individual Psalms, and the book has various patterns uh, arranged in Psalms. Some are obvious, some aren't so obvious, uh, but they have patterns. And one of the patterns is that the book is broken up into five, I'll call them mini-books. And each of the mini-books has an ending that has to do with, wouldn't you know it, amen, except for the final one. So we're going to look at those little mini, uh, at those little endings. So those little amen endings will end the individual psalm, but they'll also end the mini-book. Let's start at uh, Psalm 41. And we'll go right to the end, verse 13. So this is ending Psalm 41. It's also ending the first book. And depending on your English Bible, if you go to Psalm 42, depending on your English Bible, you'll see that we'll say book two. I don't know if it does in your English Bible. So we're at the end of book one, verse 13. Hear the written word of God. Blessed be the Lord the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. You feel the oomph there. Let's run to 72. Go to Psalm 72, which is going to be the end of of book two, right before the beginning of book three. If you have an English Bible, you'll see book three at the beginning of 73. So I'm at 72. I'm going to read 18 to the end here. So, Psalm 72, 18. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be the glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Okay. Not as exciting right there, but. Let's go to Psalm 89. Same speech. And the book three before book four. We're going to go to 52. Blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. And finally, 106. Again, same speech. End of four, right before book five. We're going to look at 47 and 48. 
Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name, and we may glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Let all the people say, And then in the Hebrew it says, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, aid us in loving you more by understanding how glorious you are and how the many things you want us to do is to say amen to your glory. I pray this in the name of Christ, who is our amen. Amen. Okay, let's look at the... Psalm 106, we're going to look at 47 and 48 uh, for a while. Psalm 106 is one of a, a longer song, and it recounts God's deeds and wonderful things he's done, and there's a bunch of psalms like that. This one's a little unusual because it runs through redemptive history of the Old Testament, but the theme is Israel sinned, but then God was gracious. Israel sinned, and then God was gracious. Uh, Let me... Uh, just read a few little sections. I'll start at, so I'm at 106. We'll start at 6, and this is, again, going to be the Israel sinned. 106.6, both we and our fathers have sinned. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. They rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Yet, He, God, saved them for his own sake that he might make known his mighty power. Run to 37. And this is one of the, well, we'll start at 34. Uh, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations. They learned to do as the old. They served idols, which became a snare to them. And then verse 37, one of the saddest uh, kind of sins um, that sat, the, the Israel did, they sacrificed their sons. Certain people killed their children to get more stuff from God. And their daughters to the demons, they poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. This they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Run down to 43. Many times God delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and brought low through their iniquity. Then 44, nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant. He relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captured. And then finally, 47 and 48, save us, O Lord our God. Gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise because blessed be the Lord the God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and all the people say, Hallelujah. Now what's the context of this, the obvious context of this particular amen? There's a lot of different contexts in the Bible. 
the context of this particular amen. Why praise God? Because God saves sinners. And they're admitting how horrible the history of their people and at the individual level, they were sinners. And this is such a grand thought. And actually, a part of Psalm 106 is also in First Chronicles and quoted by David uh, when he's, well, I'll explain the situation there. Quoted by David. Amen. He saves sinners. Here, in our Psalm 106 and in the other ones, uh, the amen means some kind, of, some kind of idea of, this is true. I agree. Let it be so. And as you can see, it includes an emotional oomph to it. You know, let it be so. Uh, and then, in a whole bunch of other places in the Bible, it ends prayers, it ends benedictions, doxologies. Also, if someone says something to you that you agree with, sometimes you then respond, uh, Amen. So when we look around the Bible, and we'll look at a few more spaces in a, in a second, amen is just a combination of it is true, I agree, let it be so, and it has an emotional angle to it. And a, a little linguistic parenthesis, again, amen, or maybe amen, maybe is how they said it in Hebrew, accent on the second syllable, amen, uh, Somewhat connected to other similar words meaning truth, to believe, to confirm. Uh, now, in the New Testament writers, okay, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, a little Aramaic, but mostly Hebrew. When they saw this Hebrew word, so they're writing in Greek, and normally they see a Hebrew word. They, okay, what does that mean in the Greek language? And then they have a completely different word in Greek, you know, and they, they translate it. But for the, in the New Testament, for the word amen, they never did that. They just took, okay, amen, they took Greek. How does that sound? They took, okay, that sounds like an A, sounds like an M. They just wrote Greek letters to make it match. Hence, we call it transliteration. And then what do you think French translators, English translators, German translators, Russian translators, they did the same thing in their Bibles, that's why your Bible says, amen. That's, that's not an English word. Because the New Testament did not translate it. They just said the word amen. Then all the other translations in the history of Christianity just followed that with the word amen. Now, another amazing thing about amen are connections to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at a couple of those. If you have your Bibles, turn to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, which is right after 1 Corinthians. <laughs> and before, you know, I was noticing the list here in my first, my New Testament's down here, Dick. Uh, he's an Old Testament professor. <laughs> I'm theorizing why this is true, but I could be wrong. Not buying it, Dick. Okay. <laughs> He'll correct me later, apparently. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and some bad guys at the Corinthian church 
who have come in after Paul had left, are saying, don't listen to that Paul guy because he changes his travel plans, which he did change his travel plans. They're like, he changes his travel plans, therefore, don't, don't trust what he says about Jesus. Okay, that's what the context is. Uh, now I'm going to start at verse 15. You'll hear him talk about the travel plans, and then eventually we'll get to Christ and our, our amen word. So I'm at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you, travel plans, uh, first, so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and then come back to you from Macedonia as you sent me on my way to Jude- uh, Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? In other words, change my travel plans. Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, no, no at the same time? In verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, Silvanus, Timothy, and I, was not yes and no. But in him, in Christ, it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, Christ. That is why through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. Look at that great verse, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why through Christ we utter our amen for God to his glory. We utter our, it is true, every promise connected to Christ. Christ is the center, again look at verse 20, of all promises. And the central promises to believers is that due to the work of Christ, through the instrument of faith, we grab on to Christ and we have justification. We're declared perfect. In other words, our sins are forgiven. The perfect work of Christ is legally given to us. We are, from a judge perspective, perfect because of the work of Christ in our place. But in addition to that, we're also promised, in fact, we had to have the Holy Spirit to have faith, but we're given the Holy Spirit to do good works, not perfectly, but do good works in this life. And we're also promised the new heavens and new earth. We'll eventually have perfect bodies, perfect souls forever and ever. So these three grand promises, justification, we're declared forgiven, sanctification, we're being changed, all of us at different rates, but being changed by God to live for him. And then the end game, glorification, where we're perfect forever and ever. All the promises of God find their amen in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. God saves sinners, as Psalm 148 says. Let's go to another place in the New Testament, the final book. I don't know, Dick, where where in the world? Oh, okay, I can barely see it down there. (laughs) Revelation. Chapter 3, chapter 2 and 3 are the uh, uh, letters, so to speak, to the seven churches where Christ has a messenger to give messages to the churches. And we're at 314, which is the church of Laodicea, uh, Jesus speaking through the messenger, and notice this kind of amazing little factoid 
here. So I'm reading Revelation 3.14, Jesus speaking. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, so Jesus now speaking, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Christ calls himself the amen. You know, uh, I don't know, this is the 70s or 80s, they would have these little Christian charts that have all these names of, it, of Jesus uh, in the Bible. And being the, not as gracious as I could have been at the time, I'd be like, well, they didn't have that one, you know. Like, they didn't have amen in there. Uh, but there's a wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's go to a third use in the New Testament. And if you want to get ahead of me, go to John 3. Now, this is one place where the translators did not transliterate the word amen. And there's some logic to that. Another angle to amen in the Bible situations and some of the documents we have outside the Bible, if someone else says something and you agree to it, you say amen. You're, you're agreeing to what they say. Now, it's bad social graces to amen yourself. So you're supposed to be amening somebody else. However, in the Bible, Jesus amens himself. And that makes sense. He's the God-man. Now, your translators, the King James, use uh, verily, verily. More modern will say truly, truly. Um, but in the Greek, it's just amen, amen. This happens uh, many, many, many times in the Gospels. Jesus amens himself. Uh, and I just picked one of a whole bunch, and I picked the famous verse. So John 3, verse 3. And you're going to know this verse when I start reading it. This is Nicodemus, Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered him. In the Greek it is, amen, amen. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Christ amens himself because he is the amen, and all promises of God are through him. So interestingly, the word amen focuses in on our triune God, and more specifically, the Lord Jesus Christ, the center of the Bible, so to speak. Modern meaning. So how are we going to use amen here in the 21st century? Uh, we see that in the Bible, amen ends prayers, songs, benedictions, blessings, doxologies. Uh, and if you agree with somebody, you amen them all over the place. Some kind of combination of it is true, I agree, let it be so, has an emotional oomph to it, and it's ultimately related to Christ. Now this emotional oomph uh, 
several years ago, as uh, uh, Dr. Belch pointed out, I'm the provost. You don't want to know what a provost is, but I'm the provost of Reformed Theological Seminary, all eight campuses. Okay. That, that, that means I got to go to board meetings. Uh, uh, and uh, one of our board members, uh, they're all wonderful, uh, one of our wonderful, 18 of them at the moment, and a couple years ago, uh, this particular board member is into uh, South uh, SEC football. And he happens to be closely associated with a team that has the colors red and white, and they're from the state of Alabama. Uh, he is not liked by some of the other board members. Uh, and um, it just happened to be at this one board meeting a couple years ago, unrelated to any sports things or universities, uh, we were talking about some church or there was some uh, donor. Well, several times it came up. It just happened to be it was in the state of Alabama. And so someone would say, you know, he's at this town, he's a pastor in Alabama. And as soon as he say the word Alabama, our special board member would pipe up with quite a bit of volume, amen. <laughs> and, it, and it was like, several times I'm going, well, there was a pastor, he's in, I didn't even want to say what state he was from, because we were going to get in this kind of, it was kind of comedy relief in the middle of a somewhat boring board meeting. And that thought to myself, yeah. yeah. He was being facetious, of course, but he was excited to say amen about, you know, silly sports stuff. Why aren't we excited, people reading the Bible, about saying amen in certain situations? The oomph of it. You know, when you end the Apostles' Creed, a little oomph to that amen at the end. Uh, Another angle to amen. Because of this transliteration thing, that it's the same Hebrew word, it means that people all over the world and through history, Christian uh, churches, Christian people, all through history, no matter what language, they all say Amen. Now they'll, they'll adjust the acts, the way they put the accent on the second syllable. Sometimes the vowels sound a little different. Uh, and this came home to me. Uh, I, I've taught courses in Ukraine, happens to be 18 times. D- Dr. Belcher went with me once, and we have stories uh, when we were there. Uh, and eventually I could speak to some degree Russian. But when I was first there, the first time I was there, and now I could hardly speak Russian. I could read a little bit. So I'm teaching this class, and I have a translator in the class. And typical, I ask them, can we sing a song? I didn't know what in the world they were singing. Uh, And then I call on a gentleman to pray, and uh, he's praying, and I'm not, I could pick out a couple words, but no idea what he's talking about. And then at the end, in their tradition, when they have a prayer, about 50 people in the room, he I can hear in Jesus' name, he says in Russian. He goes, in Jesus' name. And then he holds it for a second of silence. In Jesus' name. And then everybody went, Amin. 
you know, that was their tradition. You hold it for a second, and then everybody pumps in with the amen or amen. And their way of saying it is amin. So, okay, different languages are going to say the vowel is slightly different, but the same word. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful tradition that no matter where you go in the world, no matter what time you happen to be living, we're going to use this same Hebrew word. Uh, you know, amen, amen. Uh, what about your personal prayers? I assume most of you, even just saying a prayer in your head, you say something like, in Jesus' name, amen, or something to that effect at the end. Even if your head have a little oomph to it. In Jesus' name, may it be so that what I said about the triune God the petitions that I asked him, the requests that he would fulfill them. Let it be so. Say you're going to be eating lunch later today. You're going to call on somebody to pray and putting them under a little pressure here. Uh... So let's have a little oomph when you get to the end of the little amen, right? And maybe even the whole group could say the amen. Wouldn't it be nice if you were eating at McDonald's, our favorite restaurant? Just love the chicken nuggets, sweet and sour sauce. Uh, if people heard you, you have a prayer, and they hear this little amen thing. Wouldn't that be nice? If you're my age, and Dr. Belcher's age, uh, it used to be the vast majority of hymn books ended every single hymn with amen. Now, depending on the pianist or the organist where you went to church, sometimes it'd be like a happy, happy song, and then the pianist would go, amen. Do you remember this? And I was like, it's not matching. I want some oomph in my amens there at the end. Um, if you're younger, you don't remember any of this. Uh, but uh, that we used to say amen at the end of it. Now, it wasn't a bad idea to say amen at the end of a song. Uh, a lot of songs in the Bible, Psalms, end in amen. Now, there are a few situations where you're not going to have all the gusto saying amen. You know, it might be a more solemn amen. Someone tells you, you know, Aunt Sally's having severe physical difficulties, but she's, uh, she's still thankful to Christ. Then you might say, you know, a solemn amen. Good, good for Aunt Sally. However, the most majority of situations, you should have some oomph when you're saying amen. Let's go to one more place in the Bible. Let's go to Revelation. Again, final book, chapter 19. And our text in Psalm 106 in Hebrew ended, amen, hallelujah. And you're going to see that here. So I'm at 19.4. As a worship scene. And 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne saying, look what it says, Amen, 
Hallelujah. Right out of Psalm 106 and several other psalms. Brothers and sisters, amen is a glorious word. Our triune God is even greater, of course. It's about our glorious triune God with an emphasis on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us have some oomph when we say amen. And I'll give you the opportunity. Save us, O Lord God. We gather among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the Bible including the fun parts of the Bible that we get to echo how great you are by saying amen. We thank you for the promises of Christ and what he lived and died for us to affect those promises then applied by the Holy Spirit. And we also remember the connection of amen to Christ. And I pray this in the name of Christ, who loved us so much, he died for us. Amen.